From the K-Rob Collection, this is Audio Antiques, featuring programs from the golden age of American radio. I'm Ken Robinson. Well, you can't mention radio's classic era without talking about Bob Hope. The stand-up comedian, actor, singer, dancer, and author was very popular on radio and had a career that spanned nearly 80 years. In addition to his long-running radio show on NBC, Bob Hope starred in 54 feature films. He also became a sensation on television and hosted the Academy Awards show 19 times. Hope was born in southeast London, England, but arrived in the United States with his family at the age of four and grew up in Cleveland, Ohio. We have two shows where Bob Hope honors his adopted hometown, a live broadcast from Cleveland in 1946, and a 1948 program where he spotlights the Cleveland Indians who had just won the World Series. For the safety of your smile, use Tepsodin twice a day. See your dentist twice a year. Tonight, from his hometown, Cleveland, Ohio, we bring you the Pepsodent Show, starring Bob Hope. Thank you, well-fed relatives. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Bob back in his hometown of Cleveland Hope telling you folks in Ohio to use Pepsodent and your teeth will never look worn. You'll always be able to chew a lima and after you start dating, you'll soon be marrying. It'll be a good alliance because there won't be any tiffin'. And I hope you see their point. That's all local, but this is my hometown. <laughs> well, here I am in my hometown, Cleveland. Cleveland is all decorated for the sesquicentennial. Nice way of cleaning your teeth. <laughs> yes, sir, there are signs everywhere saying 150 years old, and I'm still trying to catch the guy who put them all under my picture. <laughs> we had a wonderful plane trip in here on the Constellation, the Constellation that's Buck Rogers' dream come true. We came across in the stratosphere. In fact, we were so high, W.C. Fields flew escort for us all the way to Kansas City. <laughs> what a trip. Over the Rockies, the stewardess served lunch. I said, why peppermint sticks for lunch? He said, that's celery. Your nose is bleeding. And once I looked out of the window and I saw a guy floating by in midair. I said, hey, what are you doing out there without a parachute? And he said, I don't need one. I'm Ray Milan. <laughs> but I had a wonderful trip. I didn't feel a thing until we landed at Cleveland and the stewardess helped me out from under my seat. When we flew in over the city and I saw Cleveland, a lump came in my throat. It was that apple I tried to swallow over Albuquerque. <laughs> But I want to tell you that Constellation has got every accommodation. In fact, when you're ready for breakfast, you stick your hand out the window and an eagle lays a fresh egg in it. <laughs> the pilot kept saying the plane was as comfortable as your living room, and he was right, although I did feel sorry for the saxophone player who opened the door and stepped out after the milk. When we arrived here in Cleveland, what crowds at the airport? The police had the ropes up, but I demanded a trial first. <laughs> but, I, but I love this old town of Cleveland. Somehow, even the wind off the lake doesn't seem as cold as it used to be. Of course, I've got underwear now. <laughs> I've got a brother here in the wholesale meat business. He had trouble with shortages, but he's getting plenty of meat now. The Cleveland Indians are selling them all their old ball players. If Tris Speaker's listening, I'm only kidding. 
A good portion of my family still lives in Ohio. I got a brother doing fine down at Canton and another one doing five at Columbus. <laughs> when, I, when I left Cleveland ten years ago, my father said I would go a long way. In fact, he nailed the door of the boxcar shut just to make sure. <laughs> well, I lived in a neighborhood here where the people were poorer than church mice. And you know, church mice used to be awfully poor until Crosby made going my way. <laughs> I like that personally. And I went back and paid a visit to my old schoolroom and sat in my old desk. And there was the same old inkwell, the same old books, and the same old shaving kit. <laughs> They're very proud of me out at Fairmont School, though. In fact, on my old desk is a bronze plaque that said, Bob Hope slept here. Time restrictions are ending. Now the toothpaste you wanted is here. It's a new, better-than-ever Pepsodent toothpaste with twice as much irium. This new Pepsodent has a wonderfully refreshing taste, a cleaner, brighter taste that means cleaner, brighter teeth. This new Pepsodent with twice as much irium cleans teeth better, cleans better between teeth, makes your breath cleaner, fresher, too. You've never had a finer toothpaste. And never an introductory value like this. Right now, you can get two tubes of new post-war Pepsodent for only 29 cents. Yes, two 25-cent tubes. A 50-cent value for only 29 cents. Get this new Pepsodent. Compare it with any toothpaste you've used before. Compare its taste. Compare results. See how quickly, how safely, this new Pepsodent with twice as much irium removes the film that makes your teeth look dull. See how new Pepsodent cleans teeth better. Cleans better between teeth, too. See how fresh it makes your whole mouth feel. Compare it now during the sensational introductory offer. Get two 25-cent tubes of new, improved Pepsodent for only 29 cents. A 50-cent value for only 29 cents. Don't delay. Here comes Skinny Ennis, our boy. Oh, you won't be satisfied until you break my heart. You're never satisfied until the teardrops gone. I tried to shower you with love and kisses. But all I'll ever get from you is nagging and bragging. My poor heart is sagging the way you toss my heart around. A crying shame. I'll bet you wouldn't like it if I did the same. You're only happy tearing. All my dreams apart. Oh, you won't be satisfied until you break my heart. You Won't Be Satisfied, sung by Skinny Ennis, the only singer in radio who can make one lung sound like none. <laughs> Edgar, step in. What did you think of that fast flight in from Los Angeles on the Constellation this morning? Man, we came in so fast, I didn't even have time to take a breath. Well, that didn't make any difference. Today wasn't your day to breathe anyway, was it? <laughs> huh? <laughs> you know, but it's almost unbelievable, Skinny, that the Constellation could bring us from Los Angeles here in 11 hours and 40 minutes. Bob, it didn't take 11 hours and 40 minutes, did it? Oh, yeah. Seven hours from California to Cleveland. 
and four hours through traffic from the airport to the Carter Hotel. <laughs> did it in the bus I was in, anyway. Say, uh, how did you like your accommodations on the Constellation coming in? Well, not bad, but I was a little cramped. Cramped? You shouldn't have been. I thought you'd be very comfortable in there. Yeah, but those golf clubs take up a lot of room in the bag, too. <laughs> understand it. I took the putter out. By the way, Skin. <laughs> say, while we're in Cleveland, I'd like to show you the street I was born on. Street? What's the matter? Couldn't you afford a hospital? <laughs> well, in those days, they had long traffic signals. But you know, Skin... <laughs> you know, Skin, they even named a street after me here in Cleveland. So what? They named the street after me in North Carolina, too. I know, but mine's not a dead end. <laughs> Man, how can you stand there with your hat off and say that? <laughs> how can you stand with your hat off? Well, shut my face, boy. Hello, Skinny. Well, Francis Langford, look at him. I was just talking about the trip on the Constellation. Wasn't it wonderful? I thought so, but surely you didn't have much fun pouting all the way. Well, you'd have pouted, too. Oh, Bob, the pilot couldn't open a window just so you could hold your paper windmill out. <laughs> See, Bob, I meant to ask you. Were your folks glad to see you? Not particularly, Francis. They were just as happy getting it through the mail. <laughs> I send the big tube every week, you know. <laughs> but I got a great thrill getting off the plane at the airport and seeing Major Barry and seeing all those people out there. Well, I imagine so, but weren't you carrying it a little too far, running up and kissing that one man? Well, you wouldn't understand, Francis. You didn't have a draft board. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, really. No, really, he was the mayor. Wasn't it nice of him to give me the keys to the city? Yes, he thought. he said he thought that would be best. He thought that would be best? Mm-hmm. After you left last time, it was so much trouble digging those hairpins out of all the lots. That couldn't have been me. I'm a paperclip man. Well, it must have been interesting looking up the old landmarks you used to know. Yeah, it's too bad so many of them are married. By the way... By the way, Francis, where are you staying? Oh, I'm stopping at the Carter Hotel, Bob. Oh, really? Well, I'm stopping at the Carter, too. I know, but they gave me a room. <laughs> oh, well, what do I care? The janitor's a pretty good gin rummy player. <laughs> and now, ladies and gentlemen, it's a real pleasure now to bring you a friend of mine, a former golf partner and one of the outstanding political figures of our state of Ohio, the governor, His Excellency Frank J. Lausche. Thanks, Bob, and thank you, Democrats. <laughs> Welcome to the Fabsonist Show, Governor. Thank you, Bob, and I can only say it's a pleasure for me to appear with one of America's most talented personalities. No wonder this guy is Governor. <laughs> oh, you didn't have to say that, Governor. I know, Bob, but in my business, a vote is a vote. <laughs> You must really be popular here. I even saw a Republican applauding. I'm amazed. I'm amazed. You saw a Republican applauding. Well, he wasn't exactly applauding. He was clicking two bricker buttons together. <laughs> but, Governor, I tell you, it was really decent of you to consent to appear in our program. It's all right, Bob. I don't run for re-election until next fall, and by that time, the public might forget. <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.
Did you bring a writer up from Columbus with you, kid? <laughs> uh, by the way, Governor, don't you think that you could find me some sort of a political job? You know, radio is pretty shaky, and you never know when the sponsor's liable to turn the power off, you know. Well, right at the moment, Bob... Well, I, I don't mean anything big, Governor. Just a little something in the day coach of the official gravy train. <laughs> Sort of a small pig's knuckle in the old pork barrel, huh? <laughs> For instance, how about me going to banquets with you and sneering back at the Republicans? <laughs> Bob, please, you have the wrong idea entirely. In Ohio, we always play ball with the Republicans. You play ball with the Republicans? Yes, of course. We make sure they don't spend too much time up at bat. <laughs> <laughs> But, Bob, you haven't lived in Cleveland for ten years, have you? No, I haven't. And you've made pretty good money now, don't you? Well, not bad. What about it? Well, Bob, I have a lot of influence, but I regret to say, after this year, I'll have to stop your release check. <laughs> well, summer's coming, and I can always reopen my frozen custard booth at Euclid Beach, anyway. <laughs> Governor, tell me confidentially, is, is that rumor true that you have ambitions to get to the White House? <laughs> Why, Bob, how did a rumor like that ever start? Last week, a piano teacher was seen sneaking in your back door. <laughs> Bob, I guess you've been pretty busy since you arrived here, haven't you? Yes, I haven't even had time to see my old home. Oh, I'm sorry about that, Bob. But I guess they haven't told you. Told me about what? Our recent slum clearance program. <laughs> I can always Bob. go to my country home in Warrensville. It's all right. Tell me, That's Bob. the local Riviera, Bob, are you going to be here for the National Golf Open at Canterbury? Oh, no, you don't, Gov. You can't rope me into a game after that last game we played. Oh, I see. You're just jealous because I won, Well, eh? no wonder you can't beat a governor. What do you mean by that? Well, when I made that hole-in-one, the police commissioner ran over, shoved a machine gun in my face, and said, what a wonderful shot the governor just made. Now let's see what you can do. <laughs> than I can stand, I give up. <laughs> well, Bob, I want to thank you sincerely for bringing your show back here to Cleveland and to add another word of thanks for the many things you've done to improve the city of Cleveland. Oh, well, that's very sweet, Governor, but wait a minute. What improvement did I make? I left Cleveland in 1928. Well, that doesn't leave much for me to say. You asked the question and answered it, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Wartime restrictions ending, the new toothpaste you wanted is here. It's a better than ever new Pepsodent toothpaste with a cleaner, brighter taste that means cleaner, brighter teeth. This wonderfully refreshing new Pepsodent contains twice as much irium, the exclusive cleansing ingredient that only Pepsodent can give you. You've never had a finer toothpaste, and never an introductory value like this. Right now, you can get two tubes of new post-war Pepsodent for only 29 cents. Yes, two 25-cent tubes, a 50-cent value for only 29 cents. Get it, compare it with any toothpaste you've used before. See how quickly, how safely, this new Pepsodent with twice as much irium removes the film that makes your teeth look dull. See how it cleans teeth better, cleans better between teeth. Makes your breath cleaner, fresher, too. Compare it now while you can get two 25-cent tubes of new Pepsodent toothpaste for only 29 cents. This introductory offer is limited, so act at once. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, in honoring Cleveland's sesquicentennial, we had planned to give you a botany playlist tonight. But upon arriving here and learning that a sesquicentennial is not a flower, <laughs> Bob decided to change at the last minute, so we will now present some episodes from the early life of Bob Hope or Nature Strikes Back. <laughs> we take you back to the night of May 23rd, 1911. The stork is winging its way through the sky above Cleveland. <clears throat> Darn that soft coal. <laughs> when Papa Hope comes home from work, he peeks at little Robert lying in his crib and says happily, well, What do you know? A swordfish. <laughs> but little Robert showed early signs of becoming a child prodigy. It was really a surprise to his parents, and without warning, he uttered his first words. Da-da! Da-da! Isn't that wonderful, Father? And just think, he's only 14. <laughs> Finally, at the age of 16, Bob Hope teams up with another kid and goes into vaudeville. Tell me, Mr. Bones, what's a cow? What's a cow? You heard me, what's a cow? That's a horse that's going bowling. <laughs> and Bob grew up and went out to Hollywood to win fame and fortune, but he never forgot his folks. Each week, he sends them a box of apples which they sell on the corner of Prospect in Ontario. <laughs> and now we find Bob's parents in Cleveland, Ohio, living in the little house that Bob built for them. The rain will soon stop. Ma, keep treading water. <laughs> Can't understand it, Paul. The roof never leaked before. Well, I was up there yesterday and forgot to screw the cap on it. <laughs> Gee, I sure wish we'd get a letter from our son, Robert. What for, Paul? There's never anything in him but writing. I wonder what our son Robert's doing out in Hollywood now. Same old thing, I guess. Oh, really? That's odd. I heard he got a job. <laughs> About time you took your exercise, ain't it, Paul? Yeah, I guess so, Ma. Here goes. Okay, now for the toes and the other foot. The mortgage is due today. If our son Robert don't get here with the $10,000, we'll lose the old homestead. Well, what of it, Ma? If we get kicked out, all we got to do is go around any apartment building and rent an apartment. Yeah. <laughs> That's right, Pa. There's lots of vacant places around. Yeah, gee, that was fun, Ma. Now, this time you light up and blow the smoke in my face. <laughs> <laughs> 
Don't you worry, Ma. Our son Robert will get here with the money. Hello. Hey. Hello. Hey. Hello. Hey. Hey. Yeah, it must be a party line. There's a horse on the phone. Kelowna, <laughs> are you the banker? Right. J. Vance Warrington, Kelowna. Railroads consolidated, bands amalgamated. Also, butter sold at midnight under the high level bridge. Well, listen, Kelowna, my son sent me a check last week that should have covered it. How much was his check for? I can't tell. You can't tell? No, it hasn't stopped bouncing yet. You know, Professor, for a banker, you sound a little jerky. Well, I, I'm chilly, Hope. I spent all day in the Frigidaire. What were you doing in the Frigidaire? Figuring up frozen assets. <laughs> it's no use pleading. Get the mortgage money and have it at your house tonight. I'll be there at six with the hot needles and firing squad. You're really money mad. Well, you see, Hope, I... I want all the things I never had as a child. Wine, women, and a mink string for my yo-yo. Kelowna, <laughs> tell me, how can you be so tight? Easy, Hope. Every morning, alum on my Wheaties. Kelowna, <laughs> we, we haven't got the money to pay the mortgage. What are you going to do to us? Well, don't worry about a thing. There's a man right here in the bank now explaining why he can't pay his mortgage. And he isn't the least bit nervous about it. <laughs> Of course, he stutters a bit. <laughs> but now, will Bob Hope Jr. arrive in time to save the family homestead? Will Professor Colonna's mustache get back from the dry cleaners before Wednesday? Will a sponsor put up with this kind of a program much longer? <laughs> Keep tuned in and try and find out. We now take you to the cabin of a speedy constellation. Bob Hope is forward, anxiously talking to the pilot. Are you sure we're going to make it, pilot? I've got to get there for the mortgage. We got enough gas? Enough gas? We've been out of gas since Chicago. Out of gas since Chicago? What have we been flying on? Never mind that. Just keep talking. <laughs> What's that? Won't have enough gas to land. You better bail out. Okay, I've got the parachute on. Don't forget, jump. Count to ten, then pull the ripcord. Okay, here I go, Geronimo! One, two, three. Eight, nine, ten. Here's my house right over here, Skin. You can do these things in radio. I'll go in and surprise Ma. Well, lousy sakes, it's son Robert come home with the mortgage money. The mortgage money? What mortgage money? Hey, Ma, I got money. Let me back in. <laughs> son, you're just in time. Banker Colonna's foreclosing the mortgage. We can't pay. Well, if you can't pay the mortgage, then I'll have to take your daughter with me. Colonna, there are no girls in the family, and put me down. <laughs> and besides, Colonna, where's your heart? Don't you know that the quality of mercy is not strained? What's that? The quality of mercy is not strained. What do you say to that? Makes it pretty lumpy, doesn't it? <laughs> Listen, we shouldn't be discussing this in front of the old folks. We'll go over to your office. Where is it? Over in Astor. Beulah? I don't know you, Beulah. I'm Colonna. <laughs> gonna pull this kind of stuff at Higby tomorrow at three, huh? Colonna, why aren't you a sporting man about this mortgage? We'll duel for the mortgage. All right, so. We'd better hurry or I'll be working with Red Skelton. Where's that? Oh, yeah. All right. <laughs> fine. Fine. I'll just take this 45 revolver and you, you lucky man, take this bow and arrow. Sounds like a fair arrangement. Ready. Ready. I'll count three. One, two, three. Ow! <laughs> Didn't know I was a Cleveland Indian. All thanks to the memory of being asked to share in this great big affair. From coast to coast, no better host than the American Legionnaire. And we thank you so much 
Thanks to Governor Frank J. Lauschie and all you Clevelanders for being with us tonight. You were wonderful. Governor, you were great, really. Also, I'd like to say thanks again to Captain Pat Gallup, Chief of Operations for TWA and that wonderful crew for making our trip in the Lockheed Constellation so delightful. Excuse me, Bob. A man whose name has long been identified with aiding humanity, Mr. Basil O'Connor, the national chairman of the American Red Cross, is waiting in Washington to say a few words. Mr. Basil O'Connor. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. show with our great singing star, Doris Day. Well, I swan! A new discovery, Bill Farrell. How do you do? The four hits and a miss, the president of the Cleveland Indians ball team, Bill Veck, and the new Les Brown Band. We use swan exclusively, how about you? Yes, how about you? Who, me? My name is Robert Swansea Hope. And now, Bob Hope, Swan's Eye View of the News. New York, New York. This week, a board of artists selected as the five most virile-looking men in the country, Clark Gable, Victor Mature, Lou Boudreaux, Governor Earl Warren, and radio singer Jack Smith. Of course, you can see they made a terrible mistake. <laughs> I don't know how... I don't know how they picked that gable over me. His chest measures 42 inches. I've got the same measurement, and besides, he can't take his off. <laughs> and Jack Smith was picked. He has a smile in his voice. You know how he gets that giggly effect, don't you? He's the only singer who wears a turtleneck sweater with live turtles. <laughs> of course, this isn't the first time Lou Boudreau has won a contest. After the World Series, the girls at Cleveland voted him the man they would most like to slide into home with. Detroit, Michigan. The nation's car owners were getting their first look into the future this week as the new 1949 model started rolling off the assembly line. Yeah, those new cars are really low-slung. One driver on Sunset Boulevard looked back, saw a pedestrian still standing, and said, just my luck, I have to pick a bow-legged one. <laughs> and, there's, and there's so many automatic gadgets on those new autos. They're almost human. One of them is wonderful. When you see a woman driver coming your way, you press a button, the whole car folds up into a submarine and dives into the nearest manhole. <laughs> but those new midget cars are very practical. When the engine starts missing, you don't need a mechanic. You just throw it over your shoulder and burp it. Los Angeles, California. It's top hat, white tie, and tails for music lovers here tonight as the curtain rises on the 1948 opera season at the Shrine Auditorium. Opera, that's a chorus of 25 arguing with F.E. Boone over who's first again with Spaghetti Man. <laughs> Boy, was that opera opening a ritzy affair. All the women came dressed in their best furs. I heard one mink coat say to another, don't turn your nose up at me. I knew you when you were eating lettuce in the San Fernando Valley. <laughs> I caused quite a sensation with the outfit I was wearing. I don't know why I was only wearing a cutaway coat, but I didn't know you weren't supposed to wear cutaway pants. <laughs> it was the first time anybody ever saw shorts made out of swan wrappers. <laughs> and boy, was that opera house really jammed with people. I wondered why it kept snowing in the second act of Il Travatore. Then I found out I was watching it through the popcorn machine in the lobby. <laughs> Paris, France, the Security Council of the U.N. returned to normal this week as, after ten days of sulking, Andrei Vyshinsky finally broke his campaign of silence. Don't think it was easy for Vyshinsky to keep the silence. For ten days, he had to quit eating borscht. <laughs> Imagine Vyshinsky going to the U.N. and not talking. That's like Artie Shaw going to a wedding and being best man. <laughs> and the Russians... The Russians say they can't do anything until they get international cooperation. International cooperation. That show us how to make the atom bomb, and we'll show you where New York City used to be. <laughs> Thank you. Say hi. Fly the lungs. It's time to sell the stuff. Uh, sorry, Bob. I'm just not up to it tonight. I, I, I can't do it. Hi. The Lever brothers have turned up their ear trumpets. They're waiting. <laughs> well, I... 
I'm afraid not, Bob. It's it's impossible. You better force yourself or you'll be back at your old job rolling bandages for young Dr. Christian. <laughs> Come on, make with a pitch high. Oh, Gaffrey, if, if only I could. If only I could tell the folks about the beauty of a bar of mild, pure swan floating majestically in the kitchen sink. But, but when I try the vision of those velvet, rich, creamy suds, those, those suds that are so kind to your hands, why, it leaves me speechless. I, I just can't say a word. I'd swear I heard something. <laughs> Maybe it was just the rustle of his taffeta waistcoat. Well, don't. Don't mock me, Robert. I'm trying. Egad how I'm trying. I long to tell the people that Swan gets dishes done quicker because those glamorous, beautiful Swan suds rinse away so completely you don't have to do anything. You know, folks, you could avoid all this if you just go out and buy the stuff. <laughs> I long to tell them that Swan lasts longer because it's firmer, that it washes more dishes per penny. But then I come to that line, that lovely, poetic line. Swan is made by a modern, patented process that no other... <laughs> Patented process that no other soap can use. I don't bother you, do I, Daddy? <laughs> you know, Bob, that does it to me. Why, it's like it's like an ode from Keats, a sonnet from Shelley. Sounds more like a plug from Lieberman. <laughs> Inside, my heart is crying. Use half in the kitchen, half in the bath, and you'll find that Swan is the best soap afloat. But I can't say it, Bob. I, I can't say it. And, and so, Bob... Yes, hi. There will be no commercial... Tune in next week, folks. There'll be no high ever back. <laughs> well, I swung. Gee whiz. That's, That's right. I right. crack it. Here's our junior baritone, Bill Farrell, biting into the hit parade with Maybe You'll Be There. Enter, Bill. time I see a crowd of people Just like a fool I stop and stare It's really not the proper thing to do But maybe you'll be there I go out walking after midnight Along the lonely thoroughfare It's not the time or place To look for you But maybe you'll be there You said your arms Would always hold me You said your lips were mine alone now after all those things you told me How can it end like this? Someday if all my prayers are answered I'll hear a footstep on the stairs with anxious heart, I'll hurry to the door, and maybe you'll be Look out, Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis will be with us. Well, folks, you've all heard the old saying, it pays to advertise. And we've often wondered what it would be like if a presidential candidate's campaign was handled by an advertising agency. So let's look in on one of the country's biggest advertising geniuses. Good morning, IQ. Don't waste time on words, Miss Wilson. I'm a busy man. Have to go up and do the skywriting myself this morning. Can't trust those skywriters. Yes, I noticed yesterday in the Pepsi-Cola ads there was a hyphen between every letter. I know it. The pilot was drunk and he got the hiccups. <laughs> I have to do everything myself. Gee, just look at...
at your plane out there, Chief. It's got bullet holes in it. Yeah, I got caught in the airlift over Glendale. <laughs> I have to do everything myself. Is that what made you so late, boss? Well, I was part of it. I had to stop at the hospital and send some, spend some time in the maternity ward. Oh, is your wife there? No, she couldn't make it. I have to do everything myself. I tell you, I'm a busy man. Incidentally, Miss Wilson, bring for the song team I hired to write advertising jingles. Okay. Did, Did you, you call, call for us, Chief? Chief? Yeah. <laughs> yes, have you finished that jingle about old stepmother's whiskey? We sure did, IQ. Now, just listen to this. Old stepmother bourbon is just the thing for a whiskey fizz. Drink a quart when you feel sad. Drink two quarts and you'll drop dead. <laughs> Back in the dungeon. That ought to get about 500 new members for Alcoholics Anonymous. I'll send for you later. Right. Oh, Chief, there's a gentleman waiting in the lobby to see you. He says his name is Faultless J. Quink. Faultless J. Quink. Well, that's the man I've been expecting. His party has paid us $50,000 to handle his campaign for the presidency. Show him right in and leave us alone. Right this way. How do you do, sir? I presume you're the advertising wizard like you hope. That's right. Glad to meet you, Mr. Quink. And I might say that you look like real presidential timber. Oh, I'm not Quink. I'm Murphy, his campaign manager. This is our candidate right here. Pleased to meet you. Is there a party for a candidate like that? Mr. Murphy said you can get me a lot of votes, Mr. Hope. He said that you could get me plenty of support on November 4th. Yeah, but what's going to hold you up till then? <laughs> now, let's get started on this campaign. We've got to make Faultless Quink look like a typical candidate. Quink, can you raise a mustache? Well, I raised one once, but I had to shave it off. It made me lose my balance. <laughs> Well, IQ never gives up. Maybe you can still look like a candidate. You got any glasses? I thought you'd have the glasses. I brought the boot. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to worry about Faultless Jay Quink. His record is clean. Tell him about yourself, Faultless. When you were a boy, didn't your mother want you to grow up and be president? She wasn't sure I'd grow up. Well, we're not getting started in this campaign any too soon. The opposition is pouring a steady stream of propaganda over the radio. I'll switch it on and show you. The following is a political announcement paid for by the Republican Party. Dewey is a dapper Dan. That's why I'll vote Republican. He's got good looks and a lot of dash. I'd like to kiss him on his cute mustache. Tickle, 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 tickle. There you see. But don't worry about it. I've already got my boys working on some hot copy for our client. Now, Quink, is there anything in your background the opposition may use against you? Did you ever do anything you were ashamed of? Well, yes, there is. What is it? Well, I never told anybody before. Come on, Quink. Now, what did you do? Well, I hate to admit it, but when I was young, I used to sneak into the campfire girls' headquarters and let the air out of their marshmallows. <laughs> Well, you caught yourself just in time. That's how Humphrey Bogart got started. <laughs> Murphy just put down that our candidate is in favor of deflation. By the way, IQ, how are we going to get that Southern vote? I'll figure out something. Quink, you got any relatives in the South? Well, I used to have an uncle in Kentucky. That's great stuff. Mark it down, Murphy. Just think of it. He's got an uncle who's one of the first to find old Kentucky colonels, a pillar in his community, a citizen who was both trustworthy and honest. He was a horse thief, and they hung him to the highest tree in the town. <laughs> I'm to the highest tree of town. What'll I write down, IQ? Just say that everybody looked up to him. <laughs> now, the next thing we'll do... Hi, Chief. We got it. We got it. The campaign song for Faultless Quink. Is it good? It's great. And you know what, Chief? We tied it up with the names of all the products you advertise. Oh, good. Let's hear it. If you want the country cleaned up, cast your vote for Faultless Quink. He's at cleaning up experience using Drano in his sink. <laughs> In the latest fashion, arrow shirts and things like that. Even when he takes a bath, he always wears an Adam hat. I'll take it. He uses tums and also scents and shaves his legs with an ever sharp shick. He could never be offensive because he gargles with their wick. That's wink. Miss Doris Day with one of her favorites, written by Les Brown, Sentimental Journey. Miss Doris Day, ladies and gentlemen. Gonna take 
sentimental journey Gonna set my heart at ease I'm gonna make a sentimental journey To renew old memories I've got my bag, got my reservation Spent each dime I could afford Like a child in wild anticipation I long to hear that all aboard Seven, seven That's the time we leave at seven My heart could be so yearning Now why did I decide to roam I'm gonna take a sentimental journey Good, Doris. Oh, thank you, Bob. Say, I haven't seen you since you took me to the Los Angeles Dons football game Friday night. Yeah, it was great. Say, I hear High Everback was wonderful announcing the game. Oh, gee, I wish I could have heard it. Well, I just happen to have a record of the broadcast with me. Doris, uh, would you like to hear it? Oh, wonderful, High. Play it for me. Okay. What a game. The score is tied. Just a few seconds left in the fourth quarter, and the L.A. Dons are on the Baltimore Five. It's fourth down and goal to go. The ball is snapped and Dobbs crashes through center. There's a terrific pileup on the goal line. And there's the referee's whistle. Is it a touchdown? The referee raises his hand. What a thrilling moment. You've never seen such soft, white hands before. You can tell he uses swans. Take it easy, folks. Either we sell it this way or I have to spend Saturdays in Thrifty's window scrubbing Sydney Green Street's back. All right, let's get back to the game. Did they score? Of course, Bob. Swan always scores. Isn't he sneaky? <laughs> Just try Swan in the bathroom and see how the family goes for those rich, creamy suds. See how wonderful your skin feels after a Swan bath. And there's none of that unpleasant, taut, soapy feeling because Swan rinses away rapidly and completely. You're telling me I tried it last night and it took me five minutes to climb back out of the drain. <laughs> so don't forget, folks... Don't forget, whether you've got your eye on the scoreboard or the washboard, you'll find Swan is a winner every time. Use half in the kitchen, half in the bath. Wherever you use it, Swan is the best soap afloat. Well, I swan. Me too. Gee whiz. That's right. Bye, Cracky. Went down to Virginia. No one sent for me. Went down to Virginia to see what I could see. And well, he found the horses fastest and the gals the best, and the spirits of the state are guaranteed high test. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gee, I'm glad I came down to Virginia. This nice little southern town, too. There's the village square, there's the courthouse, and there in front of the courthouse is a statue of a real southern hero, Phil Harris. <laughs> Took cement to make him stand up. <laughs> Boy, here comes a real Virginia bell. I think I'll try out this southern hospitality. I beg your pardon, miss. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm a stranger here in town. I come from up north. Up north? Shown up? No, Cleveland. That's right next to shown up. You see, miss, I don't know many people in town. I thought maybe we could get acquainted. Well, I don't usually talk to strange men unless they talk to me first. 
But, but anyway, my name is Doris, Ellie Mae, Barbara, Jean, Margaret, Lee, Marcia, Peggy, Ann, Susan, Beauregard. I'll just call you We the People for short. <laughs> well, well, what's your name, Sugarfoot? <laughs> Robert, but you can call me what my friends call me. What do your friends call you? Robert, I've got very dull friends. Claire, honey, you're the cutest little old boy I ever laid my eyes on. Well, say, it's lower. Well, well, tell me, honey bun, are there any more up north like you? No, after they made me, Russia stole the plans. She went down to Virginia and didn't know a soul. No wonder folks befriend you, their hearts are made of gold. Well, and the civic-minded citizens are all so kind. They see to it you hook a fish in every line. Gee, Doris. <laughs> We've been going together for quite a while now. When are you going to ask your father when we can get married? Well, now, you know how Daddy hates northerners. Well, I'm not afraid of your father. I'll meet him face-to-face, and I'll get out face-to-face, and I'll get us... <laughs> I'll meet him that way, too, if you don't mind. <laughs> and I'll get his permission to marry. Oh, my stars. Won't it just be wonderful when we get married and, and y'all come home from work and I've got the chitlins waiting for you? Oh, by the way, darling, do you like chitlins? Yeah, I'm crazy about chitlins. I hope her first one's a boy. <laughs> so he stayed down in Virginia. That's how much he'd been sold. So bless the day that brought me here And bless the folks I love so dear Oh, hello, Daddy. Look what I brought home with me. What's the matter with you, daughter? Ain't we got enough bold weevils around the place now? <laughs> oh, this ain't no bold weevil, Daddy. This is Robert. How do, boy? Say, uh, I hope you ain't a northerner. Well, I... The last time I caught a northerner on my property, I whipped him till he was a cherry red. Then I chopped him up in little pieces and fed him to my hound dog. Where'd you say you was from, boy? Oh, black-eyed peas and candy, gams, and that's what I like about that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Robert. Go on, Robert. Put the question to him. Okay, so, as you know, I've been sparking your daughter for quite some time now. You... You really stuck on her, eh, boy? Colonel, to me, she's just as pretty as a baby ham hanging on a hook in the smokehouse. <laughs> and, daughter, are you gone on Colonel Hope? <laughs> oh, I sure am, Daddy. To me, he's just a vanilla-flavored, sweet, molasses-covered, sugar-coated honey boy. <laughs> Please, you make me feel like one of Cougat's nougat. Well, Piers like there's going to be a wedding. <laughs> Doris, I wish your mother could be alive to see her beautiful, blonde, blue-eyed daughter getting married. Tell me, did Doris look like her mother, Colonel? Shucks, no. Her mother was the ugliest old bat in Virginia. <laughs> that woman's face was so ugly she had to wear a bonnet with slats. <laughs> Boy, she was triple ugly. No man in the whole state would come near her. Well, how'd you come to marry her? Oh, I don't know. Just lucky, I guess. <laughs> well, good luck to you. And he stayed down in Virginia, Virginia. Right now, folks, it's a pleasure to introduce a man who brought showmanship to big-time baseball. A guy who, in a great measure, was responsible for bringing the world's baseball crown to Cleveland, the former fighting Marine and now president of the Cleveland Indians Baseball Club, Mr. Bill Veck, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks a lot, Bob. Certainly a pleasure to be here. Well, it's good to have you, Bill. So, you know, I've been sitting over here watching the show. You've got a lot of rackets, haven't you? <laughs> well, 
Uh, don't look at it that way. Let's get down to business. Did you bring my share with you? <laughs> huh? Bob, take it a little easy. You know, we haven't counted all that dough yet. <laughs> There's a lot there to count to. I wish I could help you. But look at Bill. Seriously, with me, money is secondary. The thing that matters with me is sentiment. You see, I have a great fondness for the city of Cleveland. After all, I grew up there, and I love that town. That's a wonderful attitude, Bob. Of course, I had a check here for several thousand dollars, but uh, because of your attachment to Cleveland, you won't want it. Shake hands with a tourist. <laughs> but seriously, Bill, it's swell having you here. We both have so much in common. For instance... We're both big men in the sports world, aren't we? Well, we're both big men. Well, we're both men. Call for Philip Morris! But I hope you appreciate the great moral support I gave the Indians when I was back there for the series. Moral support? Bob, you really embarrassed us back there. How? Well, whenever Lou Boudreaux sent a player to the showers, he looked so silly, run along behind him, yelling, Use swan, you get more bubbles. <laughs> yeah, and I had to run in for my free seat in the bleach. I mean, my seat in the bleachers. What the? <laughs> I had to run in for my seat in the bleachers to do it. Bob, you had a real good seat, right at the north end of the stadium. Yeah, it was north, all right. It was so far north, there were two people next to me wearing fur coats and rubbing noses. <laughs> and a guy kept coming around selling hot blubber on a roll. <laughs> Gotta keep your family working some way. <laughs> what do you do, write stuff on the plane? What are you doing? Well, I want you to know that I was ready to get in the game anytime you wanted me, Bill. Of course, you know I'm an all-round athlete. Bob, I could tell you were an athlete the first time I laid eyes on you. Just take a look at those big, broad shoulders. The tremendous chest. And lean, hard stomach and the bulging biceps. Honest, Bill? <laughs> Truly. I have so much more than gorgeous, George. Why should I fight it? <laughs> But you know, Bill, around Cleveland, they tell me that you seldom wear a tie. Is that right? That's right, Bob. And after that tie of the Red Sox, I'll guarantee I'll never wear one. <laughs> that was rough. I don't blame you. That American League playoff left me a nervous wreck, too. I chewed my fingernails all the way down to my wristwatch. <laughs> but seriously, Bill, everybody from the Cleveland Bat Boy to the President of the United States admires the job you've done. In two years, you've built the team that's given Cleveland its first World Series victory in 28 years. Thanks a million, Bob. We're going to try to hit the World Series jackpot again in 1949. If we miss it in 49, we'll try again in 1950. If we miss it in 50, we'll try again in 51. Would anybody in Boston like to try for 64? <laughs> Apparently, Bill, you don't get morbid when your team loses. Well, don't get me wrong, Bob. We, of course, love to win. But win or lose, we try to set a good example for the millions of kids who play America's number one sport on the nation's sandlot. On some one of those sandlots, there's maybe a 12-year-old version of Bob Feller or Satchel Paige or even Luke Boudreaux, maybe even another Babe Ruth. And if we can earn a soft spot uh, in the hearts of those kids, we, we really don't care who, who wins the World Series. Good night, Bob. Good night, Good Bill. Good memory of the community chest once more with a plea we can't ignore each check that's sent will be well spent for the old the young the poor we thank, we thank you, you so much next week ladies and gentlemen we welcome those two young comedians from night spots theaters and radios really the sensation of the past year the team of dean martin and jerry lewis ladies and gentlemen come in boys thank you very much we'll be back good night ladies and gentlemen Mirror, mirror on the wall Is my hair fairest of them all It is when you use Rave Cream Shampoo. Rave leaves your hair so clean, so soft, so easy to manage. 
Easy to manage because the pure lanolin and rave is specially blended with other ingredients to make hair behave, even on shampoo day. Try Rave Cream Shampoo, now sold at new low prices. R-A-Y-V-E, Rave Cream Shampoo. From Hollywood, California, Swan Soap, another fine product of Lever Brothers Company, has presented the Bob Hope Show with Bill Veek, Doris Day, Bill Farrell, Les Brown and his orchestra, and yours truly, Hi Everbank. Be sure to listen to Fiddle McGee and Molly, which follows immediately on most of these stations. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. This show is brought to you by Panoramic Lifestyle Clothing, the home of distinctive quality t-shirts. Mint Mobile, where you get talk, data, and text for just $15 a month. Coinbase, the best place to buy and sell cryptocurrency. Also brought to you by Nationwide Bank. Nationwide is on your side with free checking and savings accounts. And by FinViz Elite, providing visual insight for stock market investors. For details about this show and these fine sponsors, go to krobcollection.com. From the K-Rob Collection, this has been Audio Antiques, a program featuring shows from the golden age of American radio. I'm Ken Robinson, urging you to subscribe to this podcast and to share it with anyone who loves classic broadcasts. Our music is by H Beats, that's H Beats with a Z. Thanks so much for listening.